Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome inside to Grant and Danny here on 1067 The Fan. We're simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. In for Grant and Danny here on this President's Day. We'll take you up to 630 per usual, and uh, it's a lot to talk about. It was an eventful weekend here locally. Obviously, it started with a little bit of tragedy. Lefty Giselle, the longtime Maryland Terrapins head basketball coach, passing away over the weekend. We had that that we had to deal with. We had NBA All-Star Weekend, which we had to deal with. If you were listening to Overtime yesterday here on The Fan, we're continuing to you know, dive into what the quarterback decision will be this offseason for the Washington Commanders. And I'd be remiss if I didn't start off here in the National Football League and I give Roger Goodell and the entire NFL its flowers and its credit. There is no sport league that dominates the entire calendar year the way that the National Football League does. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. We're 21 days away from the legal tampering period in the NFL. Free agents going to begin to be able to get signed. And this is where the hard work and the legwork begins. This is this is where it starts. Operation Return to Glory, as the DLC dubbed it. This is where it starts. It was all fine and dandy, and we got the honeymoon, cheek-kissing phase out of the way. All that's over with. GM's in place. Head coach is in place. Coaching staff is filled out. It's time to get going. 21 days from now, the commanders can begin that work uh, when the legal tampering period opens. And then, that's when we get to the hot and heavy stuff. 66 days away from the start of the NFL draft in the NFL offseason in full swing. Washington, bunch of picks in the top 100. I believe it's, what, five picks in the top 100. A litany of cap space. It's time to finally start making decisions they're going to impact this franchise and impact this roster uh, long-term here. But tomorrow, we got another interesting date on the NFL calendar. So starting tomorrow through March the 5th, and this doesn't really apply to the Washington Commanders, teams are able to start using their franchise tags on players that are set to hit free agency. So expect to see a flurry of activity beginning tomorrow. Names like Saquon Barkley from the Giants, Legarius Sneed uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, Josh Allen, no, the other Josh Allen, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Brian Burns from the Carolina Panthers, T. Higgins, receiver from the Bengals. A lot of star power uh, set to hit the open market this offseason. And beginning tomorrow, uh, teams will start to kind of show their hand as to what they want to do uh, moving forward. I, I mentioned <laughs> NBA All-Star Weekend, and I honestly wish I didn't have to mention it. Talked about it last night on TV for DC News Now, and it was it's honestly just... I don't want to be disrespectful because it really says a lot about my age demographic. It says a lot about the youngest in charge. That All-Star Weekend's just a joke. The entire weekend. 
And I know people are going to try to dunk on the game last night and say that, like, that was the, the cherry on top, so to speak, as to why the weekend was so bad. I hated every part about All-Star Weekend. And maybe I'm getting old, right? Maybe the youngest in charge is getting old and boring. And I don't know what the hell I like looking at anymore. But, geez, Louise, from the, from the skills challenge to the three-point contest, to the weak-ass dunk contest, to Jennifer Hudson's weak performance at halftime. First of all, Adam Silver in the NBA. Who in the hell wants to hear Jennifer Hudson at halftime? You're in Indiana. Can, can we get a local artist? Maybe they don't have any local good artists from Indiana. Who knows? First of all, Indiana's a horrible state to begin with. Don't know why Indiana was the, was the home All-Star weekend. It is what it is. I said what I said. Indiana's not a horrible it, state. It's boring. Indiana's known for nothing but basketball. Indy 500. The Indy 500. <laughs> Do you mean that when you say that? Look, so first off, my mom grew up in Indiana, boy. It's no disrespect <laughs> to any residents of Indiana. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's no disrespect to any residents of Indiana. It's just a horrible state. People probably think the same about Maryland. I don't know, man. There's a lot of Big Ten schools there. Like, a lot of Big know. Ten schools, yeah. Okay. If you need a big, burly offensive guard, that's the only reason I go to Indiana. It's the only reason. Or if I need a sharpshooter, or if I need a point guard that's not going to turn the basketball over, then I go to Indiana. I, I, I can't get with it when it comes to Indiana. We had this conversation yesterday on overtime, Chris. I, I understand every market and city needs their opportunity to host All-Star Weekend. It's good for the economy. I get all of that. But if I'm a player, this is probably why they wasn't giving no damn effort. What is the motivation? Tyrese Halliburton's after party, huh? Is that what I'm supposed to get all juiced up for? You kidding me? It was awful. That was, was a pretty, pretty lack of, of anything going on, I just, think. Just yuck. Yeah. I did like the three-point competition, but that was about it. The NBA couldn't even get that right. I, I love the three-point competition, as you mentioned. It seems like, right? That green floor was terrible. Though. The only reason we like the three-point competition because it's the only event where they're giving maximum effort. And, and my thing is, if you're the NBA, if you're Adam Silver, you got to have the wherewithal to know, you know, the three-point contest is normally what gets the most eyes and what people talk about the most. Put it last. Why is the dunk contest last? It's not 1997 anymore. Michael Jordan's not walking through the door. Clyde Drexler's not walking through the door. There is no star power with the dunk contest. And I'm going to say something that really might rub people the wrong way. How many new dunks are there in the world? Hmm? Hmm? How long are we going to keep repeating the same dunk? Mac McClung repeats John Wall's dunk from 2014. How, how long are we going to... They've been jumping no, over no Shaq for, for a few years now. Come on! <laughs> you got Victor bleeping Wembenyama in attendance. And you no. want to jump over Shaq? I know. Grow up. Let's do better, man. It was honestly tough to watch. I don't know how you fix it either. That's probably the thing that is most disheartening to me. There's no real instant solution as to how you fix this. This is why I blame my, my age demographic. We're, we're too cool for school. You notice coming up in high school, college, depending on what type of program you're looking at, and it's even starting to trickle into the NBA, there's this cool fact. Like, I got to jog up and down the floor. I got to make sure I look sweet after I take my three-point attempt. The, the entire competitive nature of the weekend has completely evaporated, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. 
Anthony Edwards. I love Anthony Edwards. MVP candidate this year. He's got Minnesota playing some of the best basketball in the Western Conference. He didn't even have the integrity to go through the damn skills challenge with his dominant hand. He's out there tricking off, playing around. Like it's a joke to him. But yet we sit up here and, and complain about all-star snubs and who should be a starter and who shouldn't be a starter. The hell with all of it. No one cares. Nobody cares. Scotty Barnes, pathetic. Pathetic. He's viral right now on Instagram, on Twitter, because of his half-ass lackadaisical effort. And these are young cats, man. This is what I'm so frustrated with. It's not like, it's not like this is LeBron James in year 21, right? Half-assing it through the through the through the dunk contest or half-assing it through the skills challenge. He's been there a billion times already. If you're Anthony Edwards, I think this is Scotty Barnes' first All-Star weekend. Enjoy the moment. Show why you're here. Act like you give a damn. That's my frustration. It's frustrating. And it makes no sense, right? Because all we heard this summer, right, from Adam Silver and, and Joe Dumars, all you heard this summer is how much more serious the game itself would ultimately end up being. That's all you heard. It's all we're, we're gonna we're gonna bring the integrity back to the game. Guys are gonna compete. We, we talked about potential incentives being put out. What are we gonna do? How much more serious, or how much more unserious can the game actually get? Well, they could do it on trampolines. I mean, come on. They might as well. <laughs> it's heading that way. They might as well. It's a joke. It's a joke. And I just don't get it. I'm just some fat, broke radio host. I would die to be participating in All-Star Weekend. And I get it from the player's standpoint, right? It's a long season. You look at this potentially as a week break. But my thing is this. No one put a gun to Anthony Edwards' head and said, go participate in All-Star. If you don't want to participate and give maximum effort, stay your ass home. It's not like the weather's better. It's not like you're heading from Minnesota to Cali, if you're Anthony Edwards. You went from Minnesota to Indiana. Two states the United States may end up being better off without. No, no. I'm jumping on that. You get what I'm saying. But it's just, look, what are the attractions in Minnesota? The Mall of America? What are the attractions in Indiana? You mentioned the Indy 500. I could name you a gazillion things I'd rather do than watching a Hot Wheels track. I don't know. I love the Indy 500, man. Well, go, get you, go, go, go get you some Hot Wheels. You can have the Indy 500 right in your damn living room, Chris. Uh, I guess, man. I don't know. It's one of the biggest tracks, one of the longest straightaways in the country, man. The cars go faster there. I guess. But, man. <laughs> Someone, Steve Danzi tweets at me and says, Indiana, home of the DWJ, the designated white jump shooter. Okay. Oh, I said Indiana's known for its hoop. You would never hear me talk bad on so Indiana. I know, I know Neil Armstrong for his man on the moon went to Purdue University in Indiana. There's a boiler. Ryan Kerrigan's a boilermaker. There you go. I get it. There are some good things about you know, the Bob state of Indiana. Bob Knight was from Indiana. You know, he coached Indiana or whatever. Larry Bird, of course. It's a like, historic basketball state. I think it which is. It's yeah. even, which makes it even more disrespectful the lack of effort that we got this past weekend during the All Star game. Can I give you a number, Metal Chris? Give me a number. A hundred. 68 three-pointers attempted by both teams combined. 168 threes. It's probably more than the three-point competition had as well. I mean, what? 
it just if, if you didn't watch a lick, if you didn't watch a lick of it last night, first of all, kudos to you. You made better use of your three hours than some of these other nitwits across the country did. I mean, it was absolutely disgusting to watch. It just was. Then that Martian Adam Silver got up there. It was just so excited about how 211 points are record by the Eastern Conference. Okay, Adam. Well, he's a hype man. He's a I mean, hype man. Get out of he here. He is. He is a hype man for the NBA. That's his job. No, he's the like, catalyst for this sorry All-Star weekend that we got to watch. It's his fault. And I love me some Adam Silver because I think the NBA is just a super progressive league, you know, when it comes to their their willingness to be be open and forthcoming about social issues like the NFL and Roger Goodell. They're the complete opposite. You know how I feel about Roger. It's a five-letter word that would get me thrown off the air. <laughs> to describe how I feel about Roger. And I should love me some Roger Goodell. He's a fellow uh, a PAC President's Athletic Conference member like I was. He went to Washington and Jefferson, about 30 minutes away from my college. We were in the same conference, about 30, 50, 40 years apart. I don't know, man. NBA All-Star Weekend, not it for me. Honestly, though, Chris, I give the NBA some credit. The one thing that I really enjoyed about NBA All-Star Weekend, to me, the clear-cut best thing about NBA All-Star Weekend was between two dudes that are probably some of the most polarizing figures in all of the NBA. If you got a chance to catch TNT's alternate broadcast last night, Taylor Rooks, Charles Barkley, and the angry one, Draymond Green, full of laughs. How much you pay for this suit? Probably about $1,000. It looked like it. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, you know what's funny about that? You know who was asking about you the other day? Who's that? Nobody. Men on everything, me and Ben, but neither one of us going to win MVP. This look like the old Minnesota days. Cat got 40, they down 20. Oh, see, there you go again. <laughs> no, 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 that's how it used to be. Ant-Man came, though. Ant-Man came. Ant-Man came. What can I say? Ant-Man changed things. But that Stop it. Stop it, Spike. Y'all haven't really deserved respect. I'm talking about this year, though. I know, okay. All right. Okay, I just I'm want not to... talking about... Because, you know, every year, you say it, it's y'all year. You've been saying that to me since 1984. <laughs> 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 Clearly plenty of laughs last night. That was probably the most entertaining part about the All-Star game last night and really about All-Star weekend. I'll give the three-point competition his flowers. I loved... Steph versus Sabrina, that was cool. But other than that, man, All-Star Weekend, got to do better. Got to do better. I'll give kudos, though, to Anthony Edwards. I I ripped him apart for his lackadaisical effort in the skills challenge. Someone's got to put their brains together, though, and come up with a real, legit solution as to what we do in place of the All-Star game. I don't think you should replace the entire weekend, but the game itself is 100% a joke. You can play a flag game. A flag. I, I, we got to stop. I don't want to watch basketball players play flag. Hell, I don't even want to watch the NFL players play flag football. But Anthony Edwards did say something last night post game that was interesting to me. He talked about whether or not we could move to a USA versus the world format during All-Star Weekend for the actual All-Star Game itself. When you think about the infusion of international flavor in the NBA right now, when you think about the way 
the overseas guys are straight up taking over the game at this point. I would love to see a team of Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic and Giannis and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Joel Embiid against the best American players. That may be that may be worthwhile. That may get people to you actually do tune like a in. Dream team every year, kind of thing, you know. That's Who's what this, this is supposed to be. Team, but that's what this that's what this is yeah. supposed to be. The game itself sure. is supposed to be the best pickup game in America. But instead, it's turned into a one hundred and ten percent joke, and we're all worse off for it. We're all worse off for it. And to think, I ain't even gonna go there. I'm not even gonna go there. NBA. You heard my suggestion. Do better. Do better. There's a quote. Chris, I meant to send you this. There's a cut of Anthony Edwards. It's a quote on what he thinks about All-Star. It's a break. I don't think nobody wants to come here and compete. No, Anthony Edwards, you don't want to come there and compete. What about what about the idea of potentially like whatever city you're in, right? Let's say the All-Star game comes back to D.C. Maybe you allow a high school showcase to be done, and then the NBA players draft the best high school players in the area, and we play one big game. We do it that way. There's got to be something here when it comes to fixing this. And this is something to me that stinks so bad because growing up, I loved watching All-Star Weekend. I remember the first time good Wizards players got invited to All-Star Weekend. Was that 20? Was it 2013 or 2014? When JaVale McGee got robbed in the slam dunk contest. There was that. Then you had 2014, John Wall, Nene, and after he won it, it. Look, there's ways to revamp this thing. There's ways to get people to get interested in it. But what they're doing right now, I don't, I don't know how much longer it's going to work. You can tweet at me some ideas if you got them. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. How in the hell do we save All-Star Weekend? That's all I want. That's all I want this year is saving all-Star Weekend. First of all, it's on the NBA too, man. I don't mean to crap on the state of Indiana, but whew. you think the biggest, baddest celebrities in the world are coming out to frigid Indiana? Probably not. Probably not. My man William Steamer tweets at me, uh-oh. Says, I'm a true sports fan, but to disparage the Indy 500 is blasphemous. Do better, sir. It's not even that I'm trying to disparage it. I'll be honest with you. I'm a football fan. I'm a basketball fan. And I like baseball. I don't like the Indy 500. I don't see the point of it. I don't understand NASCAR in itself. I'm not a thrill seeker. Maybe because it has to do with my, my fear of heights. Like, I don't go on roller coasters. Hell, if I had the option, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use an escalator. Just saying. Let's go to Andrew. In Damascus. What's going on, Andrew? Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, so I agree. They, they, they got to do something about this uh, NBA game. I mean, nobody cares. I, they have to incentivize it. Something like first team to 100, everybody gets $100,000. That way, they want to play defense, they want to play offense. I don't know, but you're, you're right. I mean, this is just nonsense television. 100% nonsense television, Andrew. I appreciate the call as always, but man. Someone made the suggestion of incentivizing it. They already rich. I mean, that's my thing. What does money do for a millionaire? And I'm not a millionaire, so I guess I can't speak to it. But darn, you can't offer some dudes that are swimming in cash more cash. 
That's why I like in Major League Baseball, they have the idea of the, the home field advantage for, for the winner of the All-Star. They have home field advantage in the World Series. I like that. That makes sense. But like I said at the top, maybe I'm just getting old and boring. Maybe this is just going to be my mentality no matter what the hell they decide to do with All-Star Weekend. Because as angry as I was yesterday watching the All-Star game, I was just as teed off talking about the weak Pro Bowl games that the NFL had. Let's go to the lap. DC, what's going on, lap? Hey, what's up, Linnell? What's up, bro? I had to come show you some love, man. Keep doing a great job, as always. Hey, man, youngest in child's movement, you know. Hey, uh, I I agree with you on, uh, you know, the All-Star. I mean, we've been trying to get this uh, going on for years, man, to change it, man. I mean, I don't really know what much you can really do. I mean, it's just a time where, you know, celebrities and everybody, you know, of importance comes out, you know what I'm saying, and show. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, average Joe blows like you and me, if we was able to get an opportunity to go, you know, it, it would probably sure. be a, a nice, you know, a nice, meaningful event. But, you know, and I agree with you about that world versus, you know, NBA. I think that would be dope. Um, it's just kind of hard when you don't have nothing really to play for. And right. um, I remember when Giannis was an all-star, like when he first started, he was actually playing. Like, you could tell, like. But that's just who he, he is, let the though. moment get too big. Right. right. But everybody else is like, you know, they especially people that's been all-stars, you know, consecutively, man, they ain't really thinking about that. Um, the Those Saturday events wasn't too bad. I, I like the shooting competition um, a lot. And I'm hoping that they can improve some stuff like that, maybe bring some more. WNBA shooters, and I thought that was actually dope right there. So, For sure. and I wanted to see. I wish uh, Dame and um, Curry and Clay, you know, what I'm saying, was in it. Well, Clay's um, Clay, Clay's Clay's on the shelf right now. I don't know if you've watched how much Warriors basketball you've watched this year, Lap. But Clay has been uh, yeah a shell of himself, Lap. I appreciate the call as always. We're up against it. One eight hundred six three six one zero six seven is the number. Phone lines open. I'll show you. Can tweet at me as well. It's at n e l l underscore b t p. Took us about 25 minutes, but it's time to get into the burgundy and gold, man. Huge offseason upcoming for your Washington Commanders. And as we get closer to the start of free agency and we get closer to the draft, some of our favorite pundits out there in the media landscape will start to make some bold predictions about what we'll see coming up into the 2024 season. Colin Cowherd of FS1 had some very interesting thoughts about the Washington Commanders and what they could potentially do next year. That's next year on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thanks to Byron Kerr for getting us up to speed. It's Grant Danny here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Grant and Danny. We'll take you up to 6.30 tonight. A little programming note coming up. 
Middle of the 3 o'clock hour, our pal Mark Schofield of SB Nation get ready to join the program. He's been hot and heavy into the quarterback evaluations. We'll get his thoughts on what the Washington Commanders could potentially do uh, this offseason to address the quarterback position. That coming up at 3.30 when our pal Mark Schofield uh, gets set to join the program. I teased it before the break, man. The offseason in full swing, and this is the time of year, admittedly so, that we get a little crazy in the media, myself included. You'll say bold predictions, you'll make bold proclamations. But in reality, we just don't have a big enough sample size to know what exactly the future will hold with pretty much all 32 teams in the National Football League. But it didn't stop our pal Colin Cowherd, one of my absolute favorites. He had this to say over the weekend about what the 2024 Washington Commanders could end up being. All right, let's go to the NFC. I have two new playoff teams. Commanders win their division. Why Commanders? $75 million in cap space. Love Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury as a staff. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys, because of age and drama, are vulnerable. I think the Commanders, we have a surprise team every year in the league. I think they get Drake May. I think Drake May's like Justin Herbert as a comp. Played in a simple college offense and will be better than people think immediately. Herbert was, C.J. Stroud was. I think Drake May is that guy this year. Wow. Colin Cowherd, hot and heavy on the Washington Commanders. And I'll be honest with you, when you hear and listen to the explanation, it doesn't sound as crazy as it seems on first blush. If you listen to some of what Colin said there, he anticipates the Commanders selecting UNC quarterback Drake May number two overall. And we'll discuss the quarterback position in where Washington could ultimately go as the show rolls on here this afternoon. But I'll be honest with you, the fan in me, the fan in me goes, you know what, Colin? I could potentially see it. But the one thing that I feel like Colin kind of omitted there is how much of a crapshoot it is when you talk about selecting a quarterback in the NFL draft, especially when you're selecting a quarterback two overall like Washington will be this year. You got to be Beyonce crazy in love, as I like to say, to pull the trigger on a young signal caller in the first round. And when you look at the track record of NFL quarterbacks drafted in the first round, it is far from a foregone conclusion that any of these three guys that are considered the consensus top three, talking about Williams, May, Daniels, total crapshoot as to whether either of those three guys will end up working out. But ultimately, if you're Washington, there's a bevy of different ways you could ultimately address quarterback this offseason. You could stay at two. You could trade up to one. You could trade back up into the first round. So many different ways you could go. But when I think about what Colin Cowherd said there about the commanders jumping from worst to first, and it happens every year with a young team, he's right. He's right. We saw it last year. And I wonder moving forward, I wonder moving forward if the thought process amongst the league executives will change. Because last year in particular, when you look at the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans, both of those two teams thought the moves they made at quarterback were going to be enough to elevate their franchise into contention. And obviously it worked out for Stroud and the Texans. And it didn't ultimately work out for Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. So if 
Washington decides to stay at two. If Washington decides that they are Beyonce crazy in love with a quarterback prospect and they decide to stick there at two, are they more likely to end up like last year's Panthers or last year's Texans? That's the reality that we're at right now. That's the crossroads that you'll be at come April. That's the decision that's going to have to be made. That's why they're grinding the tape. That's why they're out in Ashburn, putting in the work, doing the self-evaluation, knowing what you have on the roster currently. And then, in the coming days, or maybe it's already happening, who knows, they'll start to look at this quarterback class. Because the Combine's next week. Combine's next week. You're going to get a real idea as to who they like and who they don't like coming up in Indianapolis. But when we look at what's more likely, I think you got to look at it, why the Panthers failed and why the Texans succeeded. We talked about this a little bit Friday night on overtime if you were tapped in. The Houston Texans, if we're being honest, there's no reason that group was able to make the jump that they made as quickly as they did. Because I remember all offseason long, the conversation was Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. Just like right now, the conversation among some league circles is Drake May versus Caleb Williams. Or depending who you talk to, it's Daniels versus Williams versus May. But as I always like to say, you all know it, to me, when it comes to young quarterbacks entering the NFL and having success right away, it's all dependent upon fit. And on paper, right, last year, seemed like the Carolina Panthers were the better fit to have a young signal caller come in there and have immediate success. Had a couple of young good pieces along your offensive line. You were a top 10 defense a season ago. And then when you look at the infrastructure in Carolina last year, think about what the conversation was. Oh, Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, Jim Caldwell, McCown, bunch of former quarterbacks on staff, a rock star, all-star coaching staff, kind of similar to how we're talking about the one here in Washington. Yet, for whatever reason, the Panthers failed. I'm saying whatever reason. Clearly, there are obvious reasons. The offensive line broke down. You talk to some people out there in Carolina, play calling was a major issue. My big red flag was this, and if you go back to my quarterback evaluations last year, I thought C.J. Stroud was the clear-cut best quarterback coming out of college football last year. When you saw what he did, in the college football playoff against Georgia. That was all I needed to see to know C.J. Stroud was him. But if you're Carolina and you're rolling out Adam Thielen as your number one wide receiver, it's probably an issue, right? So you can make the argument that, yes, Carolina put Bryce Young in position to succeed, but he didn't. Yes, I say it's about fit, but at the end of the day, if you're him, you are him. And it turned out that C.J. Stroud is him. That's why it worked. It wasn't supposed to work last year with the Houston Texans. Battered offensive line, receiving core that's less than to be desired, first-year head coach that's a defensive-minded guy. Wasn't supposed to work. But I give a ton of credit to Bobby Slowick, give a ton of credit to Gerard Johnson, the quarterback's coach. They had a plan for C.J. Stroud, and they executed it to a T. But at the end of the day, If you don't pick the right quarterback, you're going to end up like the Carolina Panthers. Point blank, period. I want to open up the phones on this, though. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. 
Quarterbacks went one and two overall last year in the draft, similar to how it's going to go this year. And both of those two signal callers talking about Bryce Young with the Panthers and C.J. Stroud with the Texans, both of those teams had drastically different results at season's end. People around the league are questioning whether Bryce Young can continue to do it. And C.J. Stroud has the Texans on a fast track to being an immediate contender in the AFC. So drastically different outcomes last year when quarterbacks went number one overall and number two overall. What's more likely? The 2024 Commanders ending up like last year's Panthers or last year's Texans? I'll give you my thoughts. Let's take your calls next on the fan. 1-800-636-1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor Lister lines. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. In for Grant and Danny, it's the youngest in charge. Ruben Linnell Willingham will take you up to 630 tonight. Programming out in about 45 minutes. Our pal Mark Schofield of SB Nation getting set to check in with the program. We'll ask him exactly what we're asking you all right now on the MGM National Harbor Lister lines. We let you hear the audio from Colin Cowherd. It is crazy season, as I like to call it, among sports media members. This is where you get the hottest of the hottest takes and the boldest of the bold predictions. Colin Cowherd of FS1 predicts that the Washington Commanders will draft Drake May, number two overall, and win the NFC East Division crown next year. And it got me thinking. It's a pretty realistic scenario if you think about the recent history of the National Football League. Quarterbacks went one and two last year, and both of the franchises had drastically different results. You saw Bryce Young fall on his his face during his rookie campaign in Carolina. You saw C.J. Stroud hit the ground running with an injured, battered, beat-up Houston Texans team. It's a crapshoot when it comes to taking a quarterback in the top five in the first round, period, which is why I keep Saying my old catchphrase of the offseason, if you got your glass, pick it up, take a shot to it. You got to be Beyonce crazy in love to draft a cat that high. And even if you are Beyonce crazy in love, there's still no guarantee that your first-round quarterback's going to hit. Last year, three quarterbacks taken in the first round. Two of them look like they're well on their way to being perennial Pro Bowl talents, talking about C.J. Stroud in Houston and Anthony Richardson with the Indianapolis Colts. Bryce Young right now, we don't know where he may be two, three years from now. It all depends on what they can do to support him. You saw it in 2022. Kenny Pickett, the only first-round quarterback. We don't know how much longer he's going to be in the National Football League. You get what I'm saying here? It's no foregone conclusion that if you draft a quarterback in the first round, if you draft a quarterback two overall, one overall, that it's going to work out. I I love to use the 2021 draft class as an example. And I remember coming out, there's a lot of the conversations that were being had about this class we were having back in 2021 with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Back in 2021, what was it, one? two, three, four, five first-round quarterbacks. Only only one of them, and Trevor Lawrence, looks like he's the real deal. Looks like he could be a franchise-altering talent. And depending on who you talk to in NFL circles, major regression this past year from Trevor Lawrence. So if you're Washington, 
knowing the decision you have to make this offseason at the quarterback position, what's more likely? Ending up like last year's Texans or ending up like last year's Panthers? And we went through in the last segment about why Carolina failed and why Houston ended up succeeding. In this scenario, why would the commanders end up failing drafting a quarterback one or two overall? I'll tell you how. We had this conversation for a pretty long time yesterday here on the fan. There is a level of impatience that exists within this fan base for whatever reason. And I know what it is. When you've been following a loser for the past 20 plus years, some of you are 30, 40 years supporters of this thing. It's hard to have patience based on the way the 2000s have went. It's hard to have patience. But if Washington was to end up like last year's Panthers, I think it may end up being a situation where there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And I ultimately don't think this will be their undoing, but it wouldn't stun me if it went down this way. They're so similar to Carolina last year that it's honestly it's honestly uncomfortable because <clears throat> I don't want them to end up like last year's Panthers. Obviously, right? Think about the way we were talking about this coaching staff here in Washington and think about the way Last year's Panthers coaching staff was talked about. Everyone loved Frank Reich. Everyone loved Thomas Brown. We loved the fact that Jim Caldwell was assisting. I had to sit and listen to people talk about how Carolina was the perfect landing spot for a young quarterback. It might have been. It might have been. Because I can make the argument if you take Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud and put him in Carolina, maybe they have a better year. But at this point, what's more likely? We know Washington more than likely. I don't even want to say it like that. Because I understand that there's a litany of different ways they could ultimately go at quarterback. But let's just use this one way as an example. If Washington decides to take a quarterback, one overall, two overall, trade up with, with Chicago or your state put it two, what's more likely? Them ending up like last year's Panthers? Or last year's Texans, 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Mark is in Largo. What do you think, Mark? Are they more likely to end up like last year's Panthers or last year's Texans? This is going to shock everybody what I'm about to say here. Um, look, uh, I think if they draft Caleb Williams, there's a chance they'll be like the Panthers of last wow. year. I hear you. I really believe that. Um, I think Caleb suffers the same thing as Bryce Young. He, he, he's height. If you got to get a tall quarterback, man. Sorry, I know. I know Caleb is six one. He's same height as Sam. How, how I get it. I think if if Jaden Daniels puts on ten to fifteen pounds of muscle at the combine next week, I think that's I think that's their guy. I think that's their guy right there if they get him at number two. I know everybody wants Caleb Williams, but, but look, Vanell, man, how many times we've gotten people from this area, man? And it's not that I, I, I don't like Caleb Williams. I just don't like Caleb here. Because Mark, I, I Mark, Mark, and Mark, and Mark, I hear what you're saying about the idea of, you know, not wanting to repeat the mistakes of the past. But imagine if you went through your yeah. life like that. Imagine if I went through my life like I, that. 
be a 26-year-old virgin. And that's, and that's, I, I agree with you on that. But you don't think it's going to be very distracting for him to be here? God, look, look, Linnell, don't you want a mature quarterback? This is the reason why I wanted Jaden Daniels. Because Jaden Daniels is older than both of them. And, and I think he's ready and ready right now. But what scares me about Jaden is he, he, he does need to put on some muscle. I that scares you. me. That I he does you, have height. But you need a you need a guy who's ready and mature. I, look, I, my mature. I'm not saying that that Caleb's maturity could be a problem. I just think him being here could be a problem. Mark, I, I hear what you're saying way. on that, and I appreciate the call. I, anyone that's against Caleb Williams because of what happened here in the past with Chase Young and Dwayne Haskins, let, let's be realistic. Let, let's let's use this as a real life example. The world don't work that way. If you fail at something, it shouldn't discourage you from ever going down that route again. As I continue to talk about with these young quarterbacks, it is 110% dependent upon fit. And we saw it this past year in the NFL. Baker Mayfield in his second act. Geno Smith in his second act. The teams that they initially got drafted to wasn't a good fit. Doesn't mean you should write them off forever. But that's just the way it is. But we know the big-time decision facing Washington this offseason at the quarterback position. they got to find a long-term answer. If they choose to go the first-round route, whether it's trading up for Caleb, whether it's staying put at two and selecting a guy there, what's more likely? Them ending up like last year's Panthers or last year's Texans? Warrior calls next here on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.